This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. The following is a sponsored program. Zoomer Radio and MZ Media Incorporated do not endorse any of the statements or opinions made by the contributors. Basically, these psychedelics, again, open up your mind and you generally feel a sense of connectedness with yourself and the world. And the United States was going through the war and the hippie movement was basically saying, you know, you, you feel love for one another when you're on psychedelics. So just didn't jive. Like it was, you don't want to go to war when you're on psychedelics. This, this is the reason why it was started to be outlawed. Welcome to The Tonic. I'm your host, Jamie Busson, and we're here to talk about your health and wellness. On today's show, we'll hear about the use of psychedelics for mental illness and end of life. We'll find out about healthy grilling. We'll also discuss thoughts on mortality. And lastly, we'll learn how to make some no-cook dinners. But first, a little bit of business. Today's show is brought to you by Peak Human. At Peak Human, they're dedicated to getting you to live 100 times your potential now. They provide access to the most advanced medical technologies available in the world right here in the GTA. DNA testing, hormones, neurobiofeedback, regenerative treatments are just some of the specialized services available to you that previously were only available to the rich and famous. Visit them now at peakhuman.ca and book your free consultation. My first guest, Dr. Sanjeev Gol, is the founder of Peak Human, whose goal is to get you to 100,000K now with advanced training in anti-aging, integrative and regenerative medicine. He advocates a healthy lifestyle centered around plant-based diet, focused physical activity and enhancing mental resilience. Welcome to the show, doctor. How are you? Yeah, thanks for having me on the show. So I just finished watching a show called Legion. And it's a superhero show, but it's very psychedelic. They're they're taking cues from uh, Yellow Submarine mm-hmm. and Alice in Wonderland, and it's it's a psychedelic superhero story. And we're talking about psychedelics, uh, not to make us superheroes, but to better our lives, right? Yeah, I, I think that psychedelics have gotten quite a bad name, but uh, we're really learning a lot about how they can actually improve and, and change our minds for the better. For those who don't know, what are psychedelics? Uh, yes, yeah, so psychedelics, if we take the, um, uh, basically they're compounds that have an effect on the brain. And, and they have traditionally been used to uh, alter consciousness. Uh, usually it was used in um, religious ceremonies, uh, you know, for thousands of years. Right. Um, the word psychedelic basically means psyche, which is the soul, and delic, which means to reveal. So these were like soul manifesting or soul revealing substances uh, that have been used. So uh, from a chemical perspective, what is it doing to our bodies? Like how is it making us become aware? These uh, compounds, which are um, tryptamines, uh, act on a, a receptor called 5-HT2A. 
And serotonin, which is our, you know, our happy chemical, brain chemical, also acts on these receptors. So it, it does act on a very particular receptor that changes the way we perceive the world. So uh, when we think about psychedelics, we're looking at, you know, historically it was being used by tribes for, for their rituals, right? Yeah, I think this was the primary use because these psychedelics were uh, basically altering our perception of the world around us and then opening our mind to things that we're not normally able to be, uh, be present to. So um, as I was mentioning before, that the, the psychedelics stimulate a particular receptor that um, for the 5-HT2A, they also downgrade the logical, rational, ruminating part of our brain, thus allowing the underneath part of our brain uh, to, to surface and, and, and uh, allow us to have access to that part of our brain. Okay, so when we're talking about psychedelics for the, for the balance of this interview, mm-hmm. are we referencing sort of the historical, natural type of psychedelics like mushrooms, or are we talking about manuf- man-made, manufactured psychedelics? Yeah, so psychedelics uh, fall into three major categories right now. Uh, we have the uh, magic mushrooms, which the active component is psilocybin. And there are, I think, uh, some attempts to try to manufacture this, but because psilocybin is still a class, a Schedule Three substance in Canada, it, just, it doesn't really have any um, legal way to produce it. Right. Uh, same with LSD, was you know, it was, is a synthetic. Um, so, uh, psychedelic, but uh, again, it's not being produced um, in any pharmaceutical manner. But originally it was, right? Originally it was meant to be therapeutic, was it not? Yeah, it was discovered, I think, about you know, 70 years ago, and they found that, yeah, it was being used for alcoholism, it was used for depression, anxiety. People were, were using it for psychotherapy, um, but then it fell out of favor in the early, uh, early 70s. Well, sure, after Timothy Leary sort of exactly. touted it for use recreationally, I think there were some, some issues that came up, right? Yeah, I think that basically these psychedelics, again, open up your mind, and you generally feel a sense of connectedness with yourself and the world. And the United States was going through the war, and the hippie movement was basically saying, you know, you, you feel love for one another when you're on psychedelics. So it just didn't jive. Like, it was... You don't want to go to war when you're on psychedelics. I no, think I was, this, this is the reason why it was started to be outlawed. <laughs> that, that's totally understandable. So how are they being used today, though? It's still relatively underground in that, like I was mentioning before, that these are still considered uh, Schedule Three substances, so you can't uh, possess, um, produce, or, or sell these substances. But, you know, there's lots of now new clinical trials, trials that are coming in to show, to look at how they're being used for um, depression, anxiety, PTSD, uh, end-of-life care, Um, So there's some very promising um, studies, and I think people are pretty excited. But um, we're still some time away from your your doctor saying, here, take a prescription of, of LSD or psilocybin. If they can't really be accessed legally, where are these studies coming from? Are they underground studies? Like, I presume they're being published in journals, right? Yeah, no, there is. There's some good. There's a good journal, just a good article uh, by a group in the UK looking at um, refractory depression and psilocybin. Uh, no, for for those studies, they are able to get approval to. Um, to get the, the um, psychedelic for the study. But for the common person like m- me and you, uh, we don't really have access to that. So people are growing mushrooms in their, in their backyard or, you know, LSD, I guess they can get off the internet. But um, 
uh, and ayahuasca, which is the other third one I forgot to mention, is DMT, and DMT is an active component in ayahuasca. Um, Okay, so historically, you know, originally LSD, for example, was used therapeutically, Mm -hmm. and there was the ritual use that we discussed before. How else were these psychedelics being used? Is, Is there any other sort of history behind it? Um, well, I think that, you know, the, the mushrooms and probably ayahuasca and, and such, they were used ritually. And, and again, it was more a spiritual, uh, religious experience. Okay. And, uh, and at some point, um, you know, in the 30s, 40s, 50s, uh, is when um, we start understanding there may be other useful uh, and basis in medical medical science but then it stopped all in the 70s and then we're seeing a resurgence back about 10 years ago of of these clinical trials which are now opening up uh, new avenues for treatment i read something last year about uh people traveling to i think central america or south america Mm -hmm. to partake in this uh ritual liquid and it sounded to me like it was a psychedelic Uh, do do you know what i'm talking about there was yeah i think you're you're talking about ayahuasca is that what it is okay it's it's uh, it's a plant uh from from Peru, right? And, that's it. Uh, okay. It's uh, it's again the active component is DMT. Yep. And it causes this what we call the, it's considered like the God particle. Okay. So, yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. So basically, our own body does produce small amounts of DMT, but uh, this plant basically, uh, when people go through this ritual, it takes one or two days under the under the guidance of a shaman. People have these amazing things that they they feel and experience and. Uh, it's also, you know, you vomit and you have diarrhea as well. <laughs> it's pretty traumatic, but uh, yeah. your lives get changed. I, I read an article and, and the author was sort of describing his experience. I, I, like he, he went, it was almost like a commune mm-hmm. and like it debilitates you physically, right? Like he was, he was like on the floor vomiting yeah. and, and, and like he thought, he called it almost like, it sounded like almost like a near death experience. But then he said there was this period of enlightenment they came about and he sort of had peace and understanding. Um, exactly. Yes. But, I, yes. So this peace and understanding, this sort of opening of the mind, mm-hmm. does it only occur when you're taking these psychedelics or do you leave uh, with sort of a changed uh, perspective after you take it? In other words, after the drugs wear off, where, where do you stand? Yeah, so so there's a couple of things that are happening there. So once, let's say someone has, they go through an experience, they take a dose and, and they have this, you know, spiritual experience, then we think that some type of permanent shift happens right. in that person. And, you know, I can tell from personal experience that you're not necessarily the same person after. If you've seen something, you can't unforget something that you've seen or felt. So, okay, so now I'm going to ask a question. Uh, are you ready for it? Yes. yes okay. Ahead. So, which of the three did you partake in? I've actually used all three. Okay. And uh, I've had that spiritual experience, and and uh, it is something that uh, you can't capture, and you know, it's a, you can't put that into words. It, is there a way? Can can you express how you're perceiving things differently? Do you feel like your your senses are perceiving things differently now, or or is it more your perspective on what you're perceiving? Yeah, I know. I don't think, yeah, I'm perceiving anything differently anymore. It's just that, yeah, my perspective has changed. Let you understand that, yeah, there might be uh, something beyond or um, what you're perceiving right now and because you've seen it. Okay. And um, 
So okay. you, t- you tend to see things in a different light, perhaps. So, so growing up, I, you know, everybody in their teens and early, you know, everybody experiments here or there to diff- differing degrees. I've never actually spoken to somebody who's, who's taken all three of these before. So I, I, w- I would ask you, like, n- when you've done it, and, and then you don't do it anymore. Is there an urge to do it again? Like, is the experience such... I, I, I don't think it's addictive, but, like, the experience must be so pleasurable that you'd want to do it again, right? Yeah, so these, these, these things are definitely not addictive. And, okay. and you're asking the question whether they're psychologically addictive. Right, yeah. I, I don't think that they're, again, like, it's not... It's, in some ways, it can be, I guess, an escape if, if you, you yeah. know, potentially could be an escape. But it, it takes a lot of effort, too. <laughs> it's yeah. not like, it's not always well, pleasurable. Vo- it's the, not the, always the, pleasure. Right. The, the vomiting and diarrhea is certainly, <laughs> certainly a cautionary tale. But, but also, obviously, there's the, 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 you know, the, the bad trip, right? Have you, have, yeah. you, have you experienced the bad trip? No, I've never experienced a bad trip, and I think it's so important that this is yeah not just done has to be done very carefully, and we call set and setting. You have, to, if you want to even to have these effects that I'm talking about, you have to set your mind and set the environment up in such a manner so that you have those effects. Otherwise, if it just becomes a recreational party drug, yeah, then it do, you know doesn't have any benefits. Have you have you done it in the saline solution in an isolation tank? I know that some people were doing that. No, I've never done that. I did, I did uh, under the uh, the care of somebody else to just uh, you know guide me through it. I think that's it's important. If someone's you know doing this type of thing, they should be under the care of somebody who's guided people before and um, for sure. So they get the so let's benefit. Okay, so now that you've satisfied my purient curiosity, let's let's talk about the science behind it and what are the mm-hmm. studies saying about the efficacies about it. Yeah, so we don't have like huge numbers of people in these studies, but what we're seeing is that, uh, you know, in people who have not been treated, let's say for depression, right. uh, I mean, they've been treated, but they're not responding to typical antidepressants or like, you know, the... Or cannabis, for example. Yeah, yeah. for example. Uh, then th- when we put them on, let's say, um, psilocybin, which is magic mushrooms, they actually have like, a, you know, 40, 50% response rate, which is a very strong response. Uh, if we look at antidepressants, the response rate is like 30%. So if you're treating somebody with depression, is it micro doses? Is it daily? Or is it more like once every month they're going to do this and that tides them over? I think from what I'm hearing is that it's a mic- it's more micro dose um, that people are doing now for t- to shift their their way of thinking because these microdoses basically allow you to see things slightly differently. You're still functioning, you're still going about your day, but uh, you know your perception is slightly. Uh, it basically opens you up to new ways of thinking. Okay. And and basic depression or anxiety is the same patterns repeating itself over negative thoughts. Right. In cycles, and so we just want to dampen that and allow new pathways to form of thinking. Okay, other than depression and anxiety, are there other applications for, for the psychedelics? I'm pretty excited about, uh, you know, end-of-life care. I think, yeah. um, you know, when people are going through the end of life, and I, I'm a palliative care physician as well, some people have a lot of angst and anxiety about it. And pain, I would imagine, yeah. too, and fears. Yeah, yeah pain and fears. And, and like I was saying, that when people are under the... Uh, have taken psychedelics, they just feel a sense of connectedness, everything's okay in, in the world, and they understand things that they hadn't see, understood before. And I think that's, 
you know, what bigger gift can you give to somebody than uh, to have that type of experience when they're passing? Have there been clinical studies of end-of-life care with psychedelics? Yeah, there have been. There have been. I'm not so well-versed in that exactly, but I know that there have been studies. People are, are doing trials on that right now. So when you, when you speak about this, is this anecdotal, or, or have you seen firsthand people taking psychedelics uh, at end-of-life? Yeah, no, I haven't had the chance to, uh, to administer it or be in the room when that's okay. been done. Okay, so we only have about a minute or two left uh, in right. the interview. Um, I, I guess one thing we should consider, we've talked about the benefits. Are, are there any safety or legal considerations? Obviously, you know, legal is pretty obvious. Being an right. ex-litigator, you know, we've discussed the fact that it isn't legal and it's difficult to access in Canada. Are there any safety concerns or, or contraindications that people should consider? Yeah, I think... Um you know, if somebody has, uh, first thing, if you have any, somebody has any history of, of psychosis or uh, schizophrenia, then, then, you know, a bad trip can, could make it much worse for them. I would so imagine, I think that, yeah. uh, If you've that type of mental illness, they'd be under the care of somebody else and shouldn't play around with these substances. Um, apart from that, it's uh, like I was saying before that in small doses, you know, I don't think... Mm, it's really any danger and larger dose is good to be with somebody else or be around people who've done it before because uh, you know we have to make sure you don't have a bad trip and you don't do something uh, if you're scared of what comes up during the trip well that that sounds like good sound advice and we don't want anybody to have a bad trip but I have some bad news and that is we are out of time today thank you so much for coming on the show thank you so much Jamie we have to take a short break but when we return we're going to discuss healthy grilling on the tonic. Vital Directives is a center committed to helping people ignite their innate healing power and remove the barriers of fear that keep them in pain. Through changing their client's mindset and teaching them to connect with their body, the Vital Directives step-by-step process helps them focus, feel safe, and get immediate relief. Their process involves removing the physical limitations induced by chronic pain while creating personalized, high-level self-care and preventative measures. They believe that significantly reducing chronic pain is just the first step. Through powerful physical exercises and mindset shifts, coupled with solid support system, they inspire people to transform from the inside out. For more information, visit their website at vitaldirectives.com. The Big Carrot is a worker-owned natural food market that's been committed to local, organic, non-GMO, and sustainable food systems since 1983. They're a one-stop shop offering produce, grocery, bulk, body care, and holistic dispensary. The juice and smoothie bars and kitchens serve up hundreds of healthy dishes and drinks daily. Building community is at the core of their vision, which they deliver through education, outreach, and giving. They want everyone to share in the goodness they offer. Visit their website for more information at thebigcarrot.ca. You're listening to The Tonic on Sumer Radio. Megan Horsley is a registered holistic nutritionist, blog writer, and recipe developer. She's passionate about helping her clients discover their best selves with a holistic approach to their well-being with delicious food, movement, and thoughts. Megan loves witnessing the transformations that unfold. And she's a knowledgeable and entertaining writer for Tonic Magazine. But today we're going to cover a topic that she hasn't written about yet, but is very timely. And that is barbecues. But not just any barbecues, right? 
not just any barbecues, how to how to host a holistic barbecue. Event. Right. So we're not talking about like holding hands and singing Kumbaya, hey, right? Hey, if that's your thing, <laughs> by all means. <laughs> so what is a holistic barbecue? It sounds it sounds challenging. Does uh, that- doesn't need to be. I think I don't think it needs to be. So so basically a holistic barbecue is about encompassing all of the all of the things that you would hope for in, in, a, in a really good event, right? So you're it's like being a, com- a being a good host, but in the narrow context of cooking outdoors. Yes. So okay. you're accommodating the dietary restrictions okay. of your guests, right? So let's so, start there. Yeah. So again, these days this can be really tricky, yes, right? Because we've yep. got everyone and their mother and brother doing the keto diet, yep. right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We had yeah. We just traveled with with friends who are doing the keto diet, which right. means you can only go to certain restaurants, or they're only going to order certain things if you're sharing with them. Exactly. So, exactly. Yeah. So so we've got the keto diet that's in the repertoire these days. We've got vegan folks who yep. you know that's still something that. Um, Either more eth- and more people are moving towards ethically or diet wise. You know, there, there's different reasons for being vegan or vegetarian. Exactly. Yep. And then we have you know vegetarians, yep. pescatarians, um, simply the low carb eaters, yep. people who are completely off sugar. Yep. Maybe it's just a allergy, right? Maybe they can't have nuts. Maybe yep. they can't have soy. All of these different things. So when you're hosting this kind of event, it can be or barbecue, really. Yep. It can be really difficult to figure out what to serve. Right. Um, especially when Barbecues for, you know, as long as they have existed, have focused on meat. Yeah. And and the bread that goes with the meat, right? So like burgers and hot dogs are the standard, right? Exactly. Exactly. So so there are lots of different things that are going on here when you're trying to figure out what kind of food you're going to serve. Right. Um, So let's break it down. Let's break it down. Yeah. So your immediate thought may be to just serve... You know, something that's already prepared. Yeah. Um, and if we're going with more of a plant-based meal, yep. you may think, okay, well, maybe we'll just serve, you know, the Beyond Meat burger. Which this, which is in the news and everybody loves it up and down. Yeah, this is popping up in tons of grocery stores um, and fast food chains. It's right. everywhere. And so you may see this as an easy cop-out. But I would argue that there, there are many other options you can make and yep. many other plant-based burgers that are actually way more nutritious and whole foods-based that you can actually feel good about serving to your okay. to your guests. So okay? let's let's go over some of those options. Yeah. So very simply, you can make a black bean burger. Yep. Okay. Um, can of black beans, right? BPA free lining. Yep. Go with that. A um, little bit of sweet potato. A little bit of chipotle powder. Um, you could use a flax egg to bind it together. This is very easy to make, and it's grillable, so you can definitely put it on the barbecue. Right? Okay, but can you though? Because here's here's the thing. Uh, a lot of veggie burgers collapse on the grill, mm-hmm. right? They just do. Right. Um, you might, and here's some advice. You may want to get a cast iron pan. Yes. And put the cast iron pan on the barbecue. If, if your patty is loose, okay? <laughs> so forget, forget about, for, and that's not a euphemism, but if you, if you have a loose patty and you yes. know that it's going to fall between the grill, don't be yes. a jerk. No. Don't, don't, don't go down the path of unhappiness where no. people are waiting for you to dig out and you, you're serving little lumps of burgers. Stick a cast iron pan on the grill and grill those babies. Yes. Yes. So if you notice as you're mixing your burgers that, you know, it's kind of going to... Yeah. Then, then you loose. pull out the cast iron. Yeah, That's, loose, loose. <laughs> yeah, loose. 
<laughs> but I will say, if you do run into that problem, maybe you just need more of a binder. So maybe a little more flaxseed, uh, ground flaxseed, you know. Or, you know, you oil your grill. I mean, there, there's ways around it. But yes, a lot of people don't, people don't, they're, they're not comfortable making patties or they're not comfortable grilling it's a hard thing to do when you have meat on one side. So if you're accommodating everybody, so if yes. you had meat and you had vegetarian burgers, you have to appreciate they're going to cook at different rates, right? For sure. Absolutely. For sure. So yes, great point about the cast iron pan. So use that if you need to. Um, you can also make skewers. Yep. So great. simple. Yep. Tempeh skewers. Chop up your tempeh. For those that don't know, what is tempeh? Tempeh is fermented soybean. So fermented tofu. So it's yep. it's like tofu. Um but it's a little, the, the consistency and the texture dense. is a little different. Yeah, yeah. It's more dense. Um, I really enjoy it. I really enjoy it, um, again, in skewer format. Or if you wanted to do like a, a ground beef alternative, yep. crumbling up tempeh is a great way to, to do that as well. Okay. Um, so tempeh skewers, throw in some red peppers, zucchini, red onions, maybe do a little balsamic marinade on there. Yep. Put it on the grill. Guests are happy. Yep. Um, you can also do salmon burgers, right? Going back to, yep. you know, if we want to... If you're a pescatarian, yeah. Accommodate the pescatarians, right? Um, this one might hold together a bit better, yeah. uh, I would say. Uh, yeah. Um, you might like. You might want to go with something that you can bind a little bit better. Yes. So sometimes chopped up shrimp uh, can bind a little better or crab. Yes. You, you might be able to get bind, like a crab patty, yes. right? Yes, yep. Uh, which you may need to bread. So now we're veering into things that aren't quite so healthy. But <laughs> sure. but yeah, you could do it that way. Yeah, with the salmon burger, you could potentially use an egg if people are okay with that. And that's right. a fantastic way to bind. Um, now for the, let's say we, we want to accommodate more of the, the keto crowd. Yep. Meat is still okay if they're just a regular keto yep. person. Um, again, if they're a vegan keto and making a little more... Uh, a a little, vegan it, keto? It what the hell does a vegan <laughs> keto eat? <laughs> That's just a Guacamole, lot of a lot lots of, lots of avocado and uh, soy, really. Le- okay, so if I invited a vegetarian <laughs> keto to my barbecue, <laughs> let me tell you, they're bringing their own stuff. Vegan keto, yeah, yeah. yeah. What did yeah. I say? Vegetarian, yeah. Vegan yeah. keto, yeah. You're bringing your own food. I don't know. I don't know what to do for you. <laughs> I'm not grilling lettuce burgers. No, and you know what, Jamie? You actually bring up a great point. So you know, we've we've talked about a few different um, things that you can serve for for these kinds of guests and. If, if you truly feel like it's it's just impossible for your style of cooking, it's just not an experience you've you've had before, invite those guests to bring something that they can definitely enjoy and that right. they can share with other people, right? Just make it simple. If it feels like it's getting too stressful, then simplify it for yourself and everyone else. Yeah, that's a bit else. tricky, though. As a host, you want to be accommodating. For sure. I, 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 think, I think if you're on a specific diet for whatever reason, I think you have to be cognizant of that. And you have to tell your host ahead of time where you're at because they may or may not know it. Definitely. Um, and then I think if you're really, really restricted, this is my personal opinion. Naomi would say differently. <laughs> but I think you also have a responsibility to say to that host, you know what? I'm eating a very special diet. I'm going to bring something. Would you mind grilling it for me? Yes. You know, something yes. along those lines. You bring lines. up a fantastic point. Right. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Let's hope everyone is uh, in tune with. Well, so there. there's the ethics of hosting <laughs> and guesting. So, yeah. Yes. Um, so, so, you know, the other thing I want to talk about if you're to host a, you know, more holistic barbecue is the environmental impact that you're going yeah, to have. Yeah, this is a big one. This is huge. So, you know, we, we've at this point just come out of Plastic Free July. Right. And if you don't know what that is, it's basically this movement to, um, for the whole month of July, reduce your plastic use. Right. Everywhere in your life, 
right? Yes. So not buying products that are that contained with plastic, yep. uh, using plastic forks, straws, all that stuff. Yep. Um, so when you're hosting this kind of barbecue, it'd be fantastic if you can be mindful of that as well. Yeah, um, and it's a little more work if you're watch, washing cutlery, mm-hmm. but you, there are disposable types of cutlery that that aren't yeah. plastic, right? Yes, like say you don't want to do the dishes, you don't want to wash, you don't want to wash everything at the end of the night of a yeah. fantastic barbecue. Get the bamboo disposable uh, cutlery and plates. Get the the corn disposable cutlery and the plates. Right, right? like there are ways to do this. For and sure. the, the corn is biodegradable, correct? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's fantastic. Um, the other thing, too, is being mindful of plastic wrap, right? If yeah. you wanted to wrap your dishes in that when you're meal prepping, as much as possible, avoid it if you can. We have different different products that we can use, like I've, a I've seen the wax cloths, right? Exactly. So a Bego is, is one brand, um, and it's beeswax wraps yeah. that you can use for everything. Um, and, and really, you know, there is the environmental aspect of this how we're affecting the oceans, how we're affecting wildlife. But we also have to consider how plastic is affecting our health, right? right? And you know, not just our health, but also the health of our guests, yep. right? If we're really considering that. Um, and so we know that plastic contains chemicals that are horm- hormone disruptors. Um, and this is a huge topic that we could yeah. definitely get into. <laughs> yeah. And I'm sure we will on another day. Um, yeah. But but again, being mindful of, of reducing your plastic um, use would be fantastic for this barbecue. And it's also a conversation starter at your barbecue, right? You can help. Well, it depends what the crowd. I think my crowd might be different than your crowd. And, may, <laughs> and maybe at your barbecue, you hang around talking about the, you know, the, the echo issues. My, my crowd, I assure you, is a little different. But I I get I, I I get it. Maybe if it turns into a debate, so be it. But yeah. at least you're spreading the awareness. We just have to be careful bringing our crowds together. All right, we have we have time for one little area, and that's dessert. So dessert, yes. Um, so again, if we consider the the keto diet with desserts, essentially you're not having any sugar. Um, right. And even if if you have if you want to offer desserts that are more healthful, right? Um, Making maybe you want to make banana pops. Yep. So again, maybe not so much for so the you, keto. We talk about sugar. You're, you mean added sugar, right? So fruit, added fr- sugar. Fruits are okay. Yes. Yeah, so local fruits are fantastic. Um, definitely buy organic strawberries at this time of year. They're delicious. Yep. Um, and other organic berries. So simple to serve, and they're so sweet and delicious. The keto folks can have this too. Yep. Um, for non-keto um, desserts, I mentioned the banana pops earlier. So yep. just simply dipping banana in. Chocolate and putting it on a stick. <laughs> Maybe dark chocolate for the dark health benefit. Dark chocolate, yes. So delicious. Fantastic. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have, but you'll come back next month. Absolutely, Jamie. Thank you. We've got to take a short break, but we'll be right back on The Tonic. I'd like to give a shout out to our new sponsor, Omega Alpha. This company is 100% Canadian owned. Their team consists of allopathic and naturopathic doctors, nutritionists, researchers, and other scientific professionals, all led by their CEO, Dr. Gordon Chang. Formulations are created on their 40,000-square-foot facility located in Toronto. Omega Alpha uses only the highest quality ingredients to manufacture the most efficacious yet price-friendly nutraceuticals. For more information about Omega Alpha, visit OmegaAlphaInc.com. The Tonic is brought to you by Purely Natural. Their Liquid Greens Chlorophyll is the only line of soluble, grit-free, and great-tasting greens on the market. 
Liquid Greens can easily be mixed with your favorite drink to provide a sustained natural boost of energy to help you get through your day. There's unflavored, which is great with orange juice. The mint flavor is cool and refreshing. Dark chocolate has all the health benefits of a salad, but with a great chocolate taste. And for that extra detox boost, try activated charcoal and mint. Enjoy the energy. Enjoy the detox. Enjoy the great taste. Purely natural, liquid greens. This is The Tonic on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. My next guest, David Bernstein, graduated from the Schulich School of Business with an MBA in 1992. He worked in marketing and senior management with Procter & Gamble and Reckitt Binkieser in Toronto, Tel Aviv, Amsterdam, and London. Following in the footsteps of several family members, David entered the seniors' healthcare field, acquiring Caregiver Services Limited in 2014. Welcome back to the show, David. How are you? I'm well, thanks. Nice to see you. Nice to see you, too. So... You know, you've been on the show a number of times, and, and we've talked about the aging process and uh, home care, but we're going to take a little bit different tack today. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is something that both you and I are, I wouldn't say we're interested in, but this is, this is you know, we, we've discussed it sort of oh, off it's air. Been, it's been thrust upon us. It, exactly. <laughs> I guess because how who we are, what we do, and, and how old we are. Right. Uh, and that's a notion of mortality. Um, and in discussing it, you know, you, you, you're writing an article right now that you, you graciously let me look at. And, and one of the things you, you put in there, which I found interesting, was the notion of life on your own terms. Let's start there. What does that mean to you? Well, uh, the idea actually came out of this book I've been uh, reading, this most recent book called um, in, uh, Beginner's Guide to the End, which I highly recommend um, and get you more details another time. But the idea is that when people are in later stages of life, there are things that they want to accomplish or lifestyle goals that they have or uh, choices they want to make that often conflict with keeping them safe, maintaining independence, uh, the wishes of their spouses or loved ones, etc. And so what happens is there this discussion of uh, the person, let's say, who is under the greatest threat of mortality, uh, how do they want to end their life? How do, or not end as in the, the final. How, how will the rest of their life unfold? How will it unfold? What, what decisions do they make uh, when their health begins to decline um, that are for them for the most part. And most of those issues late in life, uh, life on their terms, tend to focus on, in my experience, maintaining dignity, continuing to define their identity, which is to some extent like um, you want to be the author of your own story. Of course. You've you've led a, a hopefully a, a long life and you've accomplished many or some of the things you wanted to accomplish and now you've got some final phases and these things become very important to you the things you want to do not do people you want to be with not be with these are the terms of your life and you want to assert them. Right. And that as you get closer to stages of at the end of life that those terms become very emotionally charged because you have this dilemma often in this conflict between somebody, for example, with mobility challenges at being at home, not using the walker they should use. 
Right. Not uh, using the poles they should be using to get in and out of the bathtub or or in and out of bed or whatever. Right. Um, mainly because it makes them feel old. <laughs> it right. makes them feel infirmed. It makes them. Uh, it, it's a compromise of their dignity in many in their own mind, justifiably so. And so they start taking more risk. They might fall end up being hospitalized, come back home. And now all of a sudden their spouse or their children are going, well, you can't do A, B, and C anymore. Right, look what happened. Because look what what happened. happened. Yeah. Yeah. And the parent is saying, sure, whatever you say. And and they're going to go and do whatever they want to do because this is a phase of life where they're still fight. uh, They're fighting for dignity. They're fighting for the the independence, their identity, et cetera. And the idea of sort of acquiescing to – um, what it would be deemed objectively a safer approach, just they're not ready for that. It almost feels like giving up to some extent. And I think it sort of speaks to their quality of life too, which we'll get into mm-hmm. later. But you know, when you start making these compromises, your universe becomes smaller and smaller. Mm-hmm. And I think as your universe becomes smaller, uh, the chances of you living longer are reduced. The more that you're out there, the more that you're able to interact, mm-hmm. the more that you're able to do the things that you want to do and feel passionate about. Mm-hmm. I think that really speaks to both the quality of life and the and, and the quantity of life. Absolutely. Now, the, the unfortunate reality is, and I, of course, see this in my business all the time because I'm providing the most amount of care for the people who are typically the sickest in the latest stages, is that quality of life tends to shrink anyway. Right. Um, they may have been predeceased by their spouse or, you know, sometimes their children, their friends have passed on. And so there may not even be that many things they want to do. Uh, but that makes it that much more important that a small choice like using the walker or not using the walker. Right. Going for that little walk. Uh, when the weather's a little cold and, and you're thinking might be icy and is a bad idea. Right. Uh, but this is the last chance maybe they'll get to go for a walk outside. And so it's these little teeny things that are critically important to one's sense of dignity and identity, et cetera, that they're fighting for because so many of those other things are gone. Right. Yeah, and I, and I think there's a recognition when you reach a certain age, there's certain things you are not going to do anymore. I mean, yes. most people are rational or, yes. or or they've managed to sort of hold on and find a way to do those things they wanted to do. An example of that, my grandfather was an avid sailor his entire life. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was always the first one on the lake at the beginning of the season and he was the last one on the lake uh, at the end of the season. And he, you know, I, I, he had all these elaborate yachts, which required all kinds of crew to help him, you know, raise the sails, lower the sails. He was a sailor, not a motorboat. And towards the end of his sailing career, he got a single sail boat. It was still a big boat. It was still a yacht, still had a cabin, but it was a single sail because he could manage to sail it himself. And he figured out a way to get out on the lake, uh, I think into to, into his seventies and eighties on his own, in, with a big boat, and which how, is incredible, how right? Spouse, how did his spouse feel about that? Uh, well, her health, my grandmother's health, mm-hmm. had already sort of declined. She predeceased him, but you know, I, this was a man that you know walked every day. Mm-hmm. I mean, he did things that I think. He he went, if we can say this, mm-hmm. the way I want to go. Mm-hmm. He, he he lived life on his terms, mm-hmm. well into old age, and you know, got pneumonia and passed within a week or two, which I think when you reach a certain age is, you know, dying in your sleep after a brief illness is probably the, you know, the high point of, of, yeah. of you know, this day and age with cancer, et exactly. cetera. Well, another example, uh, 
my father struggled with mobility for, as a result of several issues. Yeah. And so he fought using a cane. He yeah. fought using two canes. He fought using a walker. And so it, it shrunk his life because yeah. he couldn't go places. And it made him feel like he brought the hospital home with him. One summer, we got him a golf cart. Yeah. For the cottage. Right. All of a sudden, he was the king of Kensington. Right. His <laughs> mobility issues completely right. disappeared. He was driving around the cottage. Seeing the everybody, property, saying hello. Taking kids for rides, doing all these things. Yeah. Where in Toronto, where he had to ultimately had a, had a scooter, he got a little bit of a thrill out of the scooter, but it took a few years for him to come to terms with driving a scooter because it, that also made him feel... You know, he was in his 60s and and early 70s. Right. This made him feel a lot older. Put him in a golf cart. It's different. Completely different. So his and the difference fundamentally is his identity, his right. dignity, his his ability to share joy, all because of a device that isn't associated with old age, right, and infirmity versus one that is. And so you know, I would I would suggest to anybody when. When you've got a parent or a grandparent who's resistant to doing some things that would keep them safer, maybe look for a creative solution that allows them to sail that smaller boat, go on that golf cart, right. something that makes them feel more uh, that life is on their terms. It's interesting. My grandfather you know, came to a bunch of different solutions, which I think were quite brilliant. They were quite simple. Uh, you know, he had a dog for years. He couldn't maintain a dog in his old age, so he would walk his son's dog every day. Mm -hmm. You know, he couldn't maintain his own gardens, but he had a garden at his kid's house, which he could come to every now and then, and with their assistance, continue to do that kind of work too, right? And and I think that goes to, to your idea of sort of maintaining the things that give you identity mm -hmm. uh, and going purpose, forward. Purpose. Uh, yeah. And purpose is so important. And we hear it so often, right? It, exactly. So let's let's get to it. Like I, okay. I've kind of expressed how I want it. Mm -hmm. I, I want it to end. What about you? How, where do you see yourself? Well, and have you turned your mind to it? Uh, I have. Um, it's a. It's. Uh, I'm an an older father. I'm 55. I have a six year old. Right. So what I deal with on a daily basis with my child keeps me very young. Yeah. Keeps me wanting to stay healthy for a longer period of time and keeps me wanting to be around for as long yep. as I can, as healthy as I can. So I'm very much focused on being a, a parent of a young child. Right. Uh, from that point of view, and on the other hand, I go to work every day and I deal with people at the end stages of life, which. You know, I live and swim in the world of mortality, and it it makes me incredibly present and incredibly grateful for moments. And so I'd say that my approach these days is much more focused on appreciating the moments, appreciating the good things that I have, right? so that whenever mortality is facing me more directly, I'll hopefully have this sense of peace that I took advantage of what I had. I think that's a, a wise way of looking at it. My take is a little different. And maybe we'll get into that next time you're on the show. But I, I think having those experiences and trying to live your life as a series of experiences that, you know, you can continue on indefinitely uh, to the end of your life in a way that I think is much healthier for everyone. Anyways, I agree. Thank you for coming on the show. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have. It's a pleasure. Nice to see you again, Jamie. Me as well. We've got to take a short break. But when we return, we'll discuss no-cooked dinners on The Tonic. Did you know that you and your company can make an impact in the community by simply ordering lunch? 
Big or small, it's now possible for companies that require catering services all across the GTA to give back effortlessly. Thanks to a unique partnership bringing together a local caterer, Chef's Catering, and Red Door Family Shelter. For every meal ordered from the Red Door special menu, one meal is given back to the women and children seeking refuge at Red Door. Visit chefscatering.ca to discover the menu and support your community. Hi, this is Jamie Busson. I'm not only the host of the Tonic Talk Show, I'm also the publisher of Tonic Magazine. Tonic is a health and wellness magazine distributed with the Globe and Mail to home subscribers in the most affluent neighborhoods in Toronto. It's also available free on racks at over 150 locations across the GTA. For more information about Tonic Magazine, visit tonictoronto.com. Hey, if you like the Tonic Talk Show, you'll love Tonic Magazine, and vice versa. This is The Tonic on Zoomer Radio. My next guest, Carolyn Tanner-Cohen, is owner and founder of Delicious Dish Cooking School in Toronto. She's been teaching cooking classes for 17 years. She has a science background which edifies her interest in health and fueling the body with foods that will optimize health. Carolyn teaches people how to meal plan, eat healthy, cook with natural whole foods, and organize their kitchen. She teaches new cooks, seasoned cooks, university students who are living on their own for the first time, nannies, housekeepers, and everyone in between. I don't know if there is anybody else in between. I think you covered it all there. For more information about Carolyn, visit deliciousdish.ca. Welcome back to the show. Thank how you. are you? Thank you. I'm really good, Jamie. How are you? Good. So I hear you've been doing like nothing this summer. You've been lounging yeah, around. Lounging around. Lounging completely. around. And you want to tell everybody how they can join you lounging around doing yeah. nothing. Yeah, right? yeah. It's the best way to live. So what we're talking about today <laughs> Today are, are no cook dinners. Yeah, actually, it's not so much lounging around. I've been entertaining a ton, and Have that's you? why I want to do no cook dinners. We did last night. I made smoked honey garlic chicken wings, yeah, oh, barbecued good. corn, and grilled asparagus. Wow, it was sounds nice. delicious. It was delicious. I have to tell you, but you had to cook. But not really. But we were outside. Right. But we're, you're taking thing. it a step forward. You're another level. Yeah. I'm playing checkers. You're playing three-dimensional chess. Right, right, right. Actually, I've been entertaining so much, and I'm totally sick of it. Okay. And not only entertaining, but I'm going to a lot of entertainments. I've been eating like a yeah. horse yeah. And, and not feeling good and drinking a ton, too. So it's enough. It's got We got to take it back. So what are we going to do? We have to start taking it back, getting back on track. And that's why I love August. Because August is when I kind of cool down a little bit. I then... Then I get into sort of my no cook dinners. All right, let's let's hear okay. about. It. So, what what do you mean by no cook dinners? What okay. are we looking at? So, really, you got to think about two things. You got to go to the grocery store. Yep. And you have to look inside your fridge and see what you have and what you don't have. Right. So you've got to maximize your leftovers. So that means you did cook at some point. Right. So it's not really, it's not totally true about it's no cooking cook dinner. Cooking less. Cooking light, cooking, yeah, cooking less. So like maybe if you've made rice or quinoa or a grain, make enough for like, you know, two or three more dinners. And I don't know if you know this, Jamie, but you could freeze grains. I never have. Yeah. I, I, like I, I know you can. Yeah. But they usually get consumed pretty quickly in my house. But let's say you're making quinoa. Okay. And you make a cup. Make yeah. two cups. I really hate quinoa. Okay, but, but say rice. Do you like okay. rice? I'm okay with rice. Okay, so make two cups of brown rice yeah. or white rice. I don't yeah. care what you use. No one will know. Yep. And uh, freeze it. Freeze the leftovers or freeze the second half. And then you're going to have enough for a poke bowl. Okay. Well, so let's start talking so about poke, it. So poke is, poke is a Hawaiian dish. Poke is a Hawaiian dish. It's spelled P-O-K-E, but it's yeah. spelled like okay. Sorry, it sounds like okay, poke. Right. Yeah. Okay, that's how you got to say it, not pokey. Yeah. Okay. No, I said, I said it right. You said it right, but not everybody else. I think okay. I said it wrong for 10 years. 
You probably did. I probably did until I read, you know, the <laughs> Wikipedia how to say it. And and what it is, it's very high grade, usually sushi grade yeah. fish. Almost always when you try it for the first time, it'll be tuna. Yeah. And it's cut into cubes. Yeah. And it's marinated usually with a soy sauce and onions and yeah, other flavors. Yeah, a little lime juice. It's Polynesian. Yes, it is. Because it's Hawaiian, but yeah. it has its roots, obviously, with Japanese. Yes, totally. It has its roots with Japanese. And here in our city, we really find it, you know, Mexican style, right. Spanish style. You really find it almost like ceviche style. It's a style. cousin of ceviche. It is a cousin of ceviche, but it's not marinated in such a citrus right. a base, so it doesn't get cooked. The fish doesn't get cooked as it would for a ceviche. No, you're eating it raw. Right. And, and so you really have to, if you're going to do this, you have to make sure you're getting very high-grade fish. Right. You do. But also, if you don't love raw fish, and a lot of people don't, you could do it with cooked chicken. It'd be like a fake poke bowl. Or you could do it with cooked shrimps. Really? Which is really nice, too. And you could buy cooked shrimps. Can you call it poke, though? Well, I sort of still do. Okay. Yeah. So I like a poke bowl. All you need is like a base of a grain. Yep. And then you put things on it like the raw fish. Let's say you are using raw fish or or like raw tuna or raw salmon. You marinate it just in a little bit of lime juice, a little bit of rice vinegar, and some sesame oil. Yep. And then you put chopped avocado if you like that. Yep. You could put some julienne vegetables, which you could buy. Yep. I love buying julienne carrots and julienne zucchini, julienne almost anything. You could put, uh, they're really bad for you, but you know those fried shallots in the can? Yeah. You could put those because they're kind of fun. It's always good to have one of those cans in your pantry. Yep. And you could put a little bit of toasted nori and you could buy them in strips. That's the seaweed. Yep. Uh, some sesame seeds on it. And then all you need is a base of a grain, which we already discussed. Right. And the, the key yeah, is dinner. though, the, the fish has to, you have to refrigerate the fish yeah, because, because once it gets to room temperature, you're going to have to eat it. You're done. Yep. Exactly. So it's actually the opposite of what you do for a barbecue, where you right. want to bring your protein to room temperature. You always want to leave your fish in the fridge until the time when you're going to eat it. Okay. Let's yep. move on from poke. Okay. What's next? So you want another one? Yep. I love a Vietnamese noodle salad. Okay. So what I do is I take rice noodles. Mm-hmm. I usually take the medium with. I soak them in boiling water, so no cook. All right. Okay. I think we're skirting the envelope here. You think so? It's, it's a no quick cook. cook. Well, it's like it's like getting like when you're in university getting the ramen. Like yes. when you, when you add water like to the ramen. ramen, is that cooking? Yeah, I think if, yeah, no. I think if you ask my daughter, she would say no yes. No cooking, no fire, no fire. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> All you need is a kettle. Okay. Okay. So, so you so, reconstitute the noodles. So you reconstitute the noodles, and then you put some shredded cabbage yep. onto it. So napa. Yep. I like napa because you really just peel off the outer leaves. You really don't even need to wash it. Yep. And you shred it. It's very, very easy to you cut. You don't have to buy a whole Savoy cabbage either that's going to sit in your fridge. It's right. There. But yep. a napa's pretty big, but you could get them little. Yeah, they're smaller. Yeah, they're pretty small. They're smaller. Some julienne cucumber mint. Yep. Some cilantro if you like it. Some people don't like it. Yep. It tastes like soap. Uh, and then I make a quick dressing. So always have rice vinegar in your pantry. I do. Great. You could put a little peanut butter in there, like a teaspoon or so. Do you use the fish sauce? Do you put that in? I don't usually use fish sauce. I love the taste, but I hate the smell. So instead of using fish sauce, I'll use a little bit of soy sauce, tamari, shoyu, which is another type of soy sauce. Or I really like coconut aminos, which is from the coconut plant. And you can find that. It's usually right beside the soy sauce. Yeah. Okay. So um, another one that I really like is I love making hand rolls. Mm-hmm. like tamaki rolls. Yep. So I take the nori sheets because I've already bought them for something else. And then I will stuff them with the uh, crab, like the fake crab sticks, yes. the pollock, and then all kinds of veggies. You roll them up and you have almost like a nori burrito. Huh. 
Ah. I love those. So what do you put? Are you, are you putting like spicy mayo on? What you, do you do? can. I don't, but I you definitely do you have can. mayo aversion. Naomi has mayo aversion. I have mayo aversion. Do I you? do, but I want to talk about lobster rolls. And I was okay. going to tell you about oh. my mayo aversion. Okay, let's let's. Okay, so I really like making lobster rolls too because they're very easy. Yep. You take a hot dog bun or any kind of bread you want. If you yep. want to use a healthier bread, that's fine. You take a can of frozen lobster or crab meat, and you could get it at Costco. It comes in like a big, huge tuna can, like eleven yep. ounces. You defrost it, and then you can mix it with all kinds of stuff like green onion. Then you put some a little bit of mayo, and I have a mayo aversion, yep. so I buy the avocado mayo. And then I sort of yep. feel like I'm eating like almost like avocado oil mayo, yep. and I'm not nearly as opposed to mayo. Yeah, there's a real dichotomy in my house. Yes. Like I like I, I like mayo, yeah. but that's a bridge too far it for is. the women in my house. I yeah. think it's a male female yeah. thing. I mean, so I have the Japanese mayo, which the is kupi ama- mayo. Yeah, the kupi mayo, yeah. which is which is amazing. It's amazing because we have a konomayaki a lot. Oh, and, really? And you like that? You need it, but I it's think. still mayo, Jamie. I know. But try the try the avocado mayo. It's really good. I mean, okay. the koopy mayo tastes really good, too, because yeah. there's a lot of sugar in it. Well, but it's extra eggs, actually, is what it is. Is that what it is? Yeah, no, it's okay, extra, I didn't it's actually a, extra know that. egg yolks. Yep. So make these lobster rolls. I'm actually okay. thinking I'm going to make them tonight for Are dinner. Are you? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, you just need bread and the lobster meat, and then put some capers in it. You could put cucumber and mango, even, okay. if you wanted to put that in there. You don't really need it, but it would make a, uh, make it a little bit different. Red onion's nice in there. Mm-hmm. And then you put it in the hot dog bun. Line the hot dog bun with a piece of lettuce, if you want. Yep. And then you have a lobster roll. Do you toast those buns? For sure. You toast them. So, But that's cooking. So you don't have to. Uh-huh. See, I, I thought yeah, I had you there. You had me there for a second. But you can't put them in the toaster, so you've got to really turn your oven on for that. Okay. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. So I, I find the unsung hero uh, in the grocery store are the pre-prepared chickens. I love them. Because those. you can do so much with them. Love them. Right? So yeah. you've got to have this on your list, don't it you? It is on my list. Okay. Do we have time for that? I'd for love sure. to I tell you so. about it. Go for it. Okay. So I make two things with that, a Cobb salad. So I always have hard-boiled eggs in my fridge. So a Cobb salad. Are you making a real Cobb? I am making a real Cobb. With blue cheese? With, well, no. Aha. No, no, no. I Oh, sometimes. You but can't you, call it a Cobb. You can't call it a Cobb unless you put blue cheese. What about feta? All right. It's a, nec- it's a cousin of. I happen to like blue cheese. I like blue cheese, And again, too. there's the, yeah. my wife, she can't stand blue cheese. Really? But I don't think you can call it, just like a club sandwich doesn't have cheese in it. A club sandwich is turkey, tomato, bacon, and lettuce. That's True. a club. Yes. And it's got to be like a, a double decker. Okay? Yes, That's sure. a club sandwich. Yes. A, a Cobb salad, which uh, comes from Los Angeles, has to be properly diced, and it's got to have the tomato, the bacon, the avocado, yeah. the chicken, yeah. the the uh, romaine cut up. Cut very, up, shredded. Shredded. Yep. And blue cheese. Okay, fine. And the, and the reason they did that is because people only had so much time in between set calls in yep. Los Angeles. Yep. So they needed to eat quickly. And that's where the Cobb salad came from. Oh, really? Is that it? That's it. Okay, but you should take that roasted chicken that you bought from the grocery store yeah. and toss it with a little barbecue sauce. And then you have a barbecue club. All right. That's interesting. That's really delicious. And then you take a salad dressing and put a teaspoon or two of barbecue sauce into your salad dressing. Aha. Uh-huh. A honey dressing, honey barbecue salad dressing, and then you have a barbecue cob. Excellent. We have time for one more recipe real quick. Okay. How about just a simple hummus wrap with grilled vegetables or even raw vegetables? So that sounds t- delicious. Yeah. You take a pita or a lavash bread. You can make hummus or you could buy hummus. I make it, but yep. feel free to buy. Spread the hummus in a, a sort of thick layer. Yep. And then you put all kinds of veggies. You roll it up. And if you want to grill it, and even if you have a panini press, you could use that or put it on the barbecue or not at all. Right. 
and then you have a delicious dinner and you can put your barbecue chicken in there too. Fantastic. Well, thank you for coming on the show today. Unfortunately, that is all the time we have, but you're going to come back next month, right? Yes, next month. I can't wait. We're going to talk about kitchen essentials. Fantastic. Thank you for listening to The Tonic. You can listen or download this episode as a podcast with full show notes and links at thetonic.ca. To find out more about the show, you can follow us on Facebook at The Tonic Talk Show or on Instagram at Jamie Busson. For great articles written by Megan Horsley and other great writers, be sure to pick up your copy of Tonic Magazine. Tonic's available free on racks at over 200 locations across the GTA and delivered with the Globe and Mail to home subscribers in 11 choice neighborhoods in Toronto. Or you can visit our website at tonictoronto.com. If you're interested in providing feedback or coming on the show, you can email me at jamie at tonictoronto.com. Please join us next week on The Tonic when we'll discuss the natural treatment of stress, digital health solutions, and why the intention of your workout matters. Until then, this is Jamie Busson wishing you a healthy and happy week. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.